The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I'm sure you're preparing for our big Santa coming. But for right now, I want to wish a happy Hanukkah to all of my friends. I know it started yesterday, the day before. My birthday, wait, wait, it started December 6th. Yesterday was my birthday. Um, So happy Hanukkah. To everyone, you know, it's so hard for me to believe that we're in December because it just seems like the other day I was saying, and here we are beginning the year of the 25th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and now that year is coming to an end, but certainly not our belief in advocacy and disability rights. That's why I am so excited to have a young disability rights leader on the show today because the big question is, what are we going to do for the next 25 years? And to do that, we need new leaders, which is why I am so excited to have as our guest today Emily Ladell, who is a writer, communication specialist. She's a blogger, and I love the name of her blog, Words I Will Buy. I mean, I just think that is so awesome. And, and she's just a wonderful, young, bright woman. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joyce. I'm really happy to be here. Well, Emily, I thought that we could start up because... So many young people listen nationally that, you know, have aspirations of being uh, a disability rights leader and deal with different issues growing up. But I wanted to ask you about growing up with a disability and also what gave you the confidence and the wisdom to know, hey, I'm just like anyone else. It just so happens I have a disability. Well, I have to admit I have a little bit of a secret that most people might not have. My mother has the same disability that I do, and so I grew up in a household where disability was part of life. It was something that was my reality, but not something to be ashamed of, and so having my mother show me that she could come so far in life with a disability was really evidence to me that the same would be true as I grew up. And also, my parents sent me to a mainstream school, and so I was surrounded by people without disabilities. And in this way, I really saw that disability doesn't necessarily need to differentiate or separate you from your peers. And so I knew that I wasn't exactly the same as everyone else, and I didn't want to be the same as everybody else because I take pride in who I am, but it was a journey getting to this point, definitely, and uh, I'm lucky to have had people along the way who were very supportive of me as I worked towards embracing a level of self-confidence that I needed to say, hey, disability is just part of my reality and part of who I am, and it's something that I'm very, very proud of now, but it was certainly a journey to get here. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Emily, and yeah, that is really a unique and great position to be in when you're growing up for a young person with a disability, but I teach classes uh, in Pennsylvania and Delaware to uh, high school students with disabilities about, you know, getting a job, leadership, and uh, being able to stand up to bullies, uh, because as you probably know, uh, high school students with disabilities and young people, even when they go to college, are bullied more than any other group, and actually, we've lost some of these young people to suicide, which 
in that case I refer to as bully side. So I knew you were going to be on the show, and I wanted to take a message back to them and to all young people uh, listening to the show right now across America. What advice do you have for uh, young people with disabilities in middle school, high school, or beyond when they are dealing with vicious bullying? Looking back on my time in middle school and high school, I think I was lucky in a way because I didn't experience really vicious bullying. You know, the the issues that I had were actually more um, typical middle school and high school friendship drama-related issues. That being said, though, there were a lot of times where I was excluded because of my disability or comments were made about my disability. So while it wasn't direct bullying, certainly there were um, emotional experiences that I had because of my disability, and it was tough. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't come home some days feeling frustrated and maybe wishing that my reality was different, but looking back on it now, I guess they say hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's that's true, even though it's a cliche, but I realize now that the most important thing is to understand that, you know, society is getting to a point where disability is becoming more accepted, and people with disabilities are being embraced for who they are. And so even if somebody doesn't really quite understand in middle school or high school, doesn't have the maturity to understand who you are now as someone with a disability and how that factors into your identity, that doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. And it doesn't mean that everybody feels that way about you. Unfortunately, there are people who are just going to be like that and you have to learn to account for them. You can't you know, get rid of them, unfortunately, but take them with a grain of salt. It's really hard in the moment. It's absolutely one of the most difficult things in the world. But just know that your self-worth is not defined by the things that one person thinks about you. And that was what I had to remind myself constantly. And even now, you know, I still have to remind myself of that. I'm 24 years old, and sometimes that high school mentality comes creeping back up on you when you least expect it. And you start to doubt who you are and you think that your self-worth is defined by one aspect of you, but it never is. There's so much to any one person. And in the moment, you just got to remember that that moment is not going to be like that forever. Very good advice. And, you know, who better would know that someone that's been through it. <clears throat> so, Emily, you heard me talking earlier when I was introducing you about our need and the commitment uh, for young leaders to move as disability rights leaders. Now, many people grow up with a disability, but they don't all decide that I want to be a dis part of the disability rights community. You know, I want to be known for writing uh, about disability issues, uh, but you did. So what made you decide to do that? I think it was a big combination of things because when I first was venturing into the, the world of disability rights activism, it was with a little bit of hesitancy and not because I didn't understand it or accept it, but because I was still struggling with accepting myself. And so for a long time, I was focused on removing disability from myself and being the person who people happen to forget had a disability. And then I started to realize, I would say in college more than anything, that uh, it was the path that I wanted to take as a career. But before that, you know, disability had been something that was a part of my life when I wanted it to be. And then other than that, I would try to forget about it. Um, and as it happened, sometimes it was a very big part of my life. Like when I was 10 years old, I actually appeared on um, some episodes in a season of Sesame Street, and I portrayed uh, myself just with a different last name, and I was there to educate young children about what it's like to live life with 
a visible physical disability. And that was my first taste in activism. But then I got away from it as I was growing up. And in college, I was planning on becoming a high school English teacher. And I made it about halfway through the teaching program. And one day I was sorting through a lot of books that I had saved because I knew that I wanted to keep all of my English papers and things like that from my time in middle school and high school so I could use them. And I was looking at the papers, and then I looked up at my mother and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I I feel that I'm being pushed in my own head to become someone who advocates for disability rights for a living. And I guess you could call it a little bit of a quarter-life crisis, but um, I'm glad that it happened because it led me to start becoming more comfortable with who I am, with disability as part of my identity. And I also realized that a lot of people know about civil rights movements. Um, A lot of people, that's an understatement. Everyone knows about civil rights movements, um, women's rights movements. You can name Martin Luther King. You can name Susan B. Anthony. But no one knew anything about disability rights. And I wanted to take on a job where I could change that and bring disability into the mainstream consciousness. Well, thank God you did, and I just want to make a comment about that. You are right, because go up to people on the street and ask them, who's Judy Human, who's Ed Roberts, who's Justin Dart, and the majority, like 99.9%, are going to say, I have no idea. And sadly, that's because we don't have a history in school. You know, we don't have people talking about us and what we've done and what got us here. So I'm really glad that um, you did take an interest in anyone listening to this show. I can't begin to stress to you how much we need this. We need this because if we don't grow up with our own history, we won't be a community. But anyway, we're going to go to break right now, and then we'll be back. If you just joined us, We are today talking to Emily Ladell, writer, communication specialist. Her blog is Words I Will Buy. And, Emily, uh, how do they find you? They can go to www.wordsiwillbuy.com, and everything is right there to contact me. Wordsiwillbuy.com. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and then if they go to that, they'll know also how to reach out to you if they're interested in uh, getting your services, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, you heard it. Go to wordsiwillbuy.com. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Emily. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. We have as our guest today Emily Ladell, who is a blogger for Words I Will Buy, the name of her blog, Words I Will Buy. And I've known Emily for a while, and here's one thing we're going to talk about that really connects us, and that would be AAPD, because I am, as most of you know, a former chair of the board of AAPD, and I've just been involved for a very long time. One thing I love is the internship program. And, Emily, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. What was it like being an AAPD intern? So I have to tell you, I actually remember the first time I ever heard you talk was uh, very soon into my AAPD internship experience. Uh, you came and you talked about disability disclosure during interviews and the employment process. And so that was the first time that I learned about the work that you do. And uh, I look back on that experience and my internship as a whole uh, quite fondly. And I was mentioning before the break that I kind of switched gears in the middle of my time in undergrad where I was originally going to be a high school English teacher, and then I decided to move into disability activism as a career. And one of the first things that I found out about while I was doing my research to learn more about the opportunities that were out there for me in the disability community was the AAPD internship program. And I took a a bit of a leap of faith and I said, I'm going to change directions completely. I'm going to apply for this internship program and hopefully I will get in. And I did. So I graduated college and a week later uh, came from New York to D.C. and moved there for three months to, to do the program. And they placed me at the Association of University Centers on Disabilities, uh, which is essentially the liaison between the academic world and uh, the disability world. And it was just the most life-changing three months. I mean, you would never believe how much of an impact three months could have on the career path that you take. But in that time, I had access to mentorship and I had access to connections within the disability community. I had the chance to meet some of uh, the people who have become my role models and my close friends. And it was a really incredible experience because it was, in the best way possible, really a crash course in uh, activism and advocacy and working in the disability world. And from that experience, I've brought back with me so many different uh, resources and memories and everything that I can still use today to kind of further my career. And also, that explains quite a bit. I actually am a blogger because my mentor was a woman who works for the um, Office of Disability Employment Policy. Her name is Dale Mohammed, and she is a writer as well, and she encouraged me to start a blog uh, as a way to stay connected to the advocacy community when I returned home and really continue what I learned. So I, I owe so much of my career taking off to my experience with AAPD. Oh, that is awesome. Yes, and Day is awesome, too. That is a yes, she great is. That's a great story, and I do believe so strongly in this because I believe I've noticed that when people come from across the United States, once they go through this internship, I'd say, and what do you want to do now? Oh, now I want to stay here. I want to be a disability rights uh, leader. Of course, you can do that no matter where you are, but you can tell that this whole thing has such a profound impact, and that's because once you are in the community, 
You don't even realize how powerful that is. But once you are, it's very transforming. A hundred percent. And I also feel like people are very willing to take you under their wing. And that's one of the reasons why I really value the disability community as a whole. Um, You know, there are always going to be people who may not embrace the younger leaders coming up, but within the disability community, there are people who want the younger leaders to thrive and to find their place among the the current standing leadership. And so I've been lucky enough to have people willing to draw those connections for me to give me advice. And so that, that's why, that's why I stick around in the disability community because it's a good group of people. Well, we're lucky to have you. That's what I have to say about that. But Emily, um, Growing up, for any young person, other than what we just talked about, which, of course, is direct bullying, what would you say today for young people with disabilities, whether they're high school or out of college, what would you say is the biggest uh, challenge or issues they deal with? I think it comes down to the way that society continues to stigmatize the disability community and undervalue the work that we're able to contribute to society. And, I mean, uh, in a lot of ways I faced some of the same issues that so many millennials face in that I was graduating college in 2013 and coming into uh, a frightening workforce where I was concerned that I wasn't going to find any jobs, let alone a job in a very specific niche that I was looking for, which is uh, the combination of writing and communications and disability activism. And so I think that was the biggest challenge that I came up against was really pushing against stigma and also pushing against what every other person my age was pushing against in terms of trying to find their place and find something that they could pursue that would not only be a way to pay the bills, but something fulfilling. I mean, everyone wants a job that is really fulfilling and and hopefully something that is for a greater purpose than just yourself. And so that was the biggest challenge I think I came up against. I mean, of course, saying stigmatization exists is so general uh, in terms of a challenge, but it's unfortunately so true. And so that's really what I prioritize in my work. I I have a little catchphrase, if you want to call it that, where I say that if you want the world to be accessible to the disability community, then you need to make disability accessible to the world and bring a, a greater understanding, which would then lead to acceptance so we're not pushing up against these challenges and barriers that are already in place. Yeah, I think that's so true. I have to agree with you. I think the uh, stigma. The, the, I think that is the absolute biggest problem. Uh, you know, even in the media, even on TV, social network, wherever, I really think that's something that we all have to continue to work to change and to. Um, and you know, I'm speaking of writing. There is power in words, and when those words are negative about people with disabilities, it really, really can cause major impact. So always remember that there is great power in semantics. Um, And, Emily, you were telling us a little bit about this already, but now that you are blogging, are you, you know, like happy this is what you chose? Do you enjoy doing this every day? Yes, I honestly, this is still my passion. I don't see that changing. And it's rewarding because you never know who you're going to connect with. And what I say is that if I've changed one person's mind or if I've made one person think differently or critically about disability and the disability experience, then that's what I consider doing my job. I know that it's a slow change. It's not going to be a tidal wave of change, unfortunately, 
but it starts with changing the mind of one person, maybe getting one person to see something in a new light and perhaps pass that on. So I, I love writing. I love what I do. And also it's an outlet for me to come to a better understanding of how I view the world around me and how I perceive my disability identity because so many people, uh, so many great writers say that they're not even sure what they're thinking until they've written it down. And sometimes I think that's so true for me. When I see the words on the page, then I have a lot more clarity and I'm able to, to better place myself in a position where I can hopefully make a change in someone's thought process about disability. So I, I just love writing. I couldn't be happier with the, the path that I've chosen for myself. Oh, that is great, because when you love what you do, it certainly makes a difference. Uh, Emily, your blog, do you have to do a lot of research? How does this work? There are times where I do a lot of research before I write something, because I hate to misquote someone or misunderstand something or overreact to something. But there are a lot of times where I write from the heart, because uh I feel that as someone who has lived with a disability, I am able to speak to those experiences. But at the same time, I always try to clarify that my position or stance on something is just that. It's just my stance or position. And as much research as I might include or as many opinions as I might put forth, at the end of the day, everyone is entitled to form their own opinions. My hope is just that I can help people to shape them to be more in favor of accepting disability as opposed to viewing it through that uh, discrimination colored lens that I think so many people still have. Right, and sometimes, um, you know, as you said, you could be writing an article, for example, about uh, something to do with epilepsy and uh, stigma. And in that case, I'm sure you would have to do research just to get some, make sure you have some facts right. But on the other hand, when you write other blogs, as you say, from your heart, it's almost like someone that writes an op-ed. I mean, it's not needed to have research behind it. It's more what you think and what you feel. Um, and, you know, obviously, nothing about us without us. Who can write better about disability than a person with a disability? Don't well, you agree with I that? I always try to encourage people to remember. Uh, you know, nothing about us without us is so important because there are so many people who are incredible allies to the disability community and certainly uh, the disability community needs amazing allies and we need all of the support that we can get but at the same time the most important thing is not to speak over or trample people who know from the inside out, who wake up every morning in a disabled body and who are able to speak to those experiences because those experiences are coded in their DNA. Um, and even people who have disability onset later in life, be it from an injury or be it from a chronic illness, you know, once it happens, it's a part of you. And so I really urge people to respect that when someone with a disability speaks up, take the time to listen to what they have to say. Uh, and it's okay to share your thoughts and opinions regarding disability issues, certainly if you are an ally or looking to be a supporter of the disability community. But as often as possible, I, I really do urge people to defer to nothing about us without us and to talk to people who know the experience from the inside out. Oh, amen to that. And, hey, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be back. If you just joined us, we're talking to Emily Liddell, who is the blogger for Words I Will Buy. You're listening to Joyce Bender, Disability Matters, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985... Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Emily Ladell, who is a blogger, Words I Will Buy. And before we talk further about her content and how this all works, something I want to say is that for some reason, if you say disability or if you can tell, oh, yeah, Words I Will Buy, this must be a person with a disability, that people seem to get the wrong idea, like they think everything is charity or they uh, have a perception of weakness or um, I don't know what. But, you know, if this is someone's business, then they're an entrepreneur and this is what they do for a living, meaning you pay for it. You would think everyone would know this, but the minute that I know people even listening to the show, oh, we'll get her to write something, but forgetting that this is her own business, her company. So um, there, Emily, I've said this for you. So now that I've said all of that, <laughs> how about if you tell our listeners what your website, your, what, what your blog, what your blogger is, um, you know, what types of services do you provide, what type of groups uh, do you blog for, and how they could secure your uh, services. Absolutely. So I do a lot of different things uh, based on my skill sets and my areas of expertise in writing and communication. So, of course, I do a lot of writing articles and blog posts and reviews of certain disability-related products. And then, of course, I also do public speaking. I do that quite a bit, and it's something that I enjoy a lot in classrooms. Um, for some reason, I seem to be doing the occupational therapy classroom circuit at the moment, which is always a lot of fun. Um, just last night, I actually spoke with a class of art education students who are working on combining special education with art education. Uh, and then I also do things on the computer end, including social media management and blog management, although right now I am working a full-time job and have clients in addition to that, so I'm very careful about what I take on. Uh, and then, of course, I do some copy editing and proofreading, so really a, a wide range of things, but it's, it's interesting that you were mentioning the issue with people thinking that disability somehow is equivalent with charity or that if you're disabled, you must be doing stuff for free because I can't tell you how many times I am approached by people uh, who say, we'll give you exposure in exchange for doing a task for us. I just got an email from a disability-related publication the other day 
saying, we can't pay you right now, but we'll promote your work to our social media channels and we'll drive traffic back to your site. And traffic and exposure are great, but at the same time, traffic and exposure uh, do not pay the bills. If you try to go buy something with traffic and exposure, I, I wish you lots of luck. And uh, that that doesn't work, huh? That doesn't pay your rent. Hey, unfortunately here's my not. And exposure. <laughs> but you know, so now what I've learned is that I need to focus on how to say no. I need to focus on when it's important to do something because you value the person who's asking you and you believe that they value your time and you know that it will serve a greater purpose for both of you. But saying saying no is hard. It's very challenging. And I'm the type of person who always wants to say yes, who wants to be able to help people, who wants to be able to give back to my community. So there are certainly things that I do um, you know, on a voluntary basis, but I really encourage people with disabilities to be more choosy about what they will do uh, for free and to not stand for things being unpaid when you're providing valuable services because disabled people, as much as anybody else, deserve the opportunity to make a living. And so that's, that's really something that I hope that people will embrace and take away with them is that we are just as worthy of being full employees for people as is anybody else. Yeah, because when they do that, they're really falling into that whole discriminatory stigma thing. You have to think more of yourself. You have to do that. You have to think more of yourself. Um, equal pay. That's why Bender Consulting is for profit because uh, Tony Quello has a saying, give us the right to be fired. And what he means is equal treatment across the board. That's the only way you make money. So, uh, my, meaning my employees won't make money unless they can get promoted at the companies that I find employment for them at. So, um, I. I hope everyone hears these words. Once again, wordsiwillbuy.com. Emily Ladell. So, Emily, you heard also when I was telling you talked about why you've got into the industry, but why do you feel that it is important for us to be able to get more young people with disabilities to be disability rights leaders, part of our part of the disability rights community? One of the hardest things that I ever heard uh, a while back when I was first building up uh, a reputation online and as a leader, a young leader in the disability community was that I didn't have enough of a fire in my belly and that uh, I wasn't passionate enough and that the work that I was doing online was a sign that I was lazy and careless and not someone who was willing to to throw myself to the wolves to fight for the disability community and that that has stuck with me and that's a something that lights a fire under me every single day because there's a, there's a new generation of leaders coming up and we we need to be welcoming of them of the people who will carry the torch in the disability rights movement and the way that we go about doing our activism, it may be a little bit different, certainly, because for me, a lot of the work that I do is Internet-based, but right now, that's the way to spread the message. That's the way to get the word out, to get people thinking, to get people talking and sharing. And so I want people to know that we need more young leaders to show that we don't take the people who have come before us for granted and that we don't believe that the work that they did is unimportant, but rather that we're here to learn from them, to follow in their footsteps, in their wheel tracks, and to bring a, a new focus to the movement in the way that we do things, but that we're not changing the main goals and the main message. We're here to, to fight for independence. We're here to fight for uh, an end to discrimination. We're here to fight for the removal of access barriers, and we want to continue the work that's been done. But we can't do that if people 
are apathetic, if young people don't care, if young people read something and ignore it and don't speak out or see something and don't speak out. So young leaders come into play everywhere because we need the the new voices to keep the momentum going. I just want to say I don't can't believe anyone would say that to you. Boy, what a great way to turn people off of wanting to be a youth leader is to telling them that story that Emily just told. Now, that's a great way to really turn people off. I disagree with that completely. Things change. Situations change. But the fire can be there. It just can be used differently. The power of a pen is powerful. What you write is powerful. So um, we need more Emily's, and we need more young people because every time you say to someone, tell me the disability leaders, oh, my God, it's the same people. And like this, people aren't going to be here forever. We need new people. We need new young people really involved that, you know, that um, they get into this world that we can talk about. So I'm glad you didn't listen to that, Emily. That would get me fired up, too, every time I thought about it. <laughs> so, Emily, I wanted to talk about a couple last things before we end the show today. And one is about your uh, role model. So that's what I wanted to know. I wanted to, obviously, you probably have more than one, but um, if someone would ask you that, what would you say? So I was discussing this question with my role model before, uh, and she told me, oh, why do you always use me as an answer? And the answer is my mother. Uh, And that's because, going back to what I said before, um, how lucky am I to have had someone with a disability in my presence at all times while growing up and to, to show me that it's possible to grow up to be somebody who has a family, who has love in their life, who is valued by so many people. And also, I mean, she is where I learned a lot of my uh, activism skills from and also my communication skills, Uh, you know, watching her make constant phone calls to the insurance companies, to doctor's offices, fighting for things for me, getting things done, not taking no for an answer. And seeing her do that taught me that I could do the same thing. And once I internalized that, that's been the the biggest key for me in the work that I do learning when to say no, learning when not to accept no, learning when to keep pushing forward. So as cliche as it is, uh, my mother is 100% my my role model, and I'm, I'm sticking to that answer even though she tells me that I need to get a new one. <laughs> well, you know what? She is because of everything that you've said, and I just want to say that mother did a great job because that's what gave you that confidence and uh, belief in yourself and how you could give back. So um, I can see why she is your role model. And with that, we're going to get a break. We're going to come back to close the show with Emily Ladell, who is a blogger and is a communication specialist, writer, and just does so many things. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show, everyone. And today we have been talking to our guest, Emily Ladell, who's a writer, communication specialist, and blogs words i will buy words i will buy dot com and i hope you'll go and i hope that you will work with emily and get her services because she is just a great addition to our community and you know i was thinking emily about all these great things you've done at such a young age it's unbelievable uh, but so far so far in your life what would you consider your greatest accomplishment for so long, I would probably have said that I feel my greatest accomplishment was when I was on Sesame Street, but that was at age 10, so I suppose now it's time to embrace something new. And so I realized that I think my greatest accomplishment is something that can't be put into one box. I think that my greatest accomplishment has been connecting with people beyond the the small circle of the disability community and inviting people to embrace disability as a part of reality, as something that deserves acceptance rather than just mere tolerance or, uh, you know, just something to be ignored and treated as though it's not a fact of life. And so, um, usually I, I try not to talk about my accomplishments because I feel that uh, it's difficult to talk about them, but sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to take a moment and you have to say, wow, look, I've done that. And so for me, I'm, I'm very proud of the, the writing that I've done, of the places that I've been published, and of the chance to, to reach beyond the, the small little bubble that I often find myself in and talk to people who I would not have otherwise reached. Right. You know what? I realized I didn't ask you, what what was it like to be on Sesame Street? That was that was a lot of fun. That was something that no matter how far removed I am from it, I'm going to treasure it forever because uh, you know, I had the writer come to my house and sit down with me and really dig deep into the disability experience insofar as I could talk about it at age 10 and with plenty of input from my mother as well um, and really give a real picture of what my personality and my life is like to the people who were watching the show. And so it is something that I hold dear to me. And, you know, I joke around that it's my greatest accomplishment and I peaked at age 10. But uh, it's it's something that I carry with me and that I hope to translate into bigger things as I continue to move forward into my career. Well, you know what? It is a big thing. I mean, that was really something because think how many people you were able to impact. Think how many people watched the show. Think how many people you impacted. 
I, I've been recognized a few times, and uh, the first time it was in a mall. This is a long time ago, uh, although I, I do still actually look pretty similar. 14 years didn't make that much of a difference, apparently. But someone recognized me in a mall, and I was with my cousin, and I wanted nothing to do with it at that time. Uh, but I've since come out of that particular shell, and now I I very much don't mind striking up conversations with people and being loud and bold and noticeable. And I, I guess that's sort of what happens when you have a wheelchair attached to your, your backside all the time. Mm-hmm. You become noticeable, so you might as well embrace it. <laughs> well, before we go to the last question, I have to ask you, favorite character was? Oh, goodness, Elmo, 100% Elmo. I knew it had to be Alma, 100% Alma, me too. Good choice. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, listen, uh, Emily, first of all, it has been really a pleasure to have you as the guest today. Thank you so much for joining us. It was my pleasure. I have loved talking with you, and I, I thank you so much for all you do for the disability community as well. Oh, thank you. But, uh, Emily, What message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Every time I'm asked this question, I I always have to rack my brains for an answer because there are just so many things that I want to leave with people. But because we were talking before about uh, my experiences in middle school and high school, I really just want to let people know that Embracing yourself is okay. You have permission to be proud of who you are, and you don't need anyone else's permission. Give yourself permission to embrace disability, to accept it as part of your identity, to to welcome it as something that does define you in a positive way. It doesn't define all of you. Uh, Certainly no one wants to be defined by any one thing, but don't count disability out. And... Don't count us out, and most importantly, don't count yourself out because you don't know what you're capable of until you push for it. That is such good advice. And once again, Emily Liddell, blogger at wordsiwillbuy.com, wordsiwillbuy, W-H-E-E-L.com. Um, so we have to end the show today with a quote, and as I know, um, all of our listeners know, my heart goes out to all the families uh, of the victims and the survivors of this terrible atrocity in San Bernardino, uh, the massacre, the shooting. My heart goes out to all of them. And you know it's a really uh, sad time with what happened in Paris. And as we think about all this, I just have to leave the, the show with a quote today. Um, I know there's been a lot of comments made. Uh, so I'm going to leave you with this quote today from Martin Luther King Jr., who said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.